Isn't that good? We don't have to go outside of church for special music. We've got it right here. And I appreciate that. Can you believe that next Thursday is Thanksgiving? Where did this year go? I called up my mother this morning. She's she's 91. Oh, in children's years, she's 91 and a half. Remember, they always put a half on. And I, I said, you know, what are you going to do this Thursday? She says, Thursday. And I says, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, is it Thanksgiving already? She couldn't believe that it was Thanksgiving. Of course, she can't remember anything that I would have said to her yesterday, but uh, she tends to forget a lot. Need to pray for my mother. She really has had a rough time mentally. She called my brother the other day, and she didn't know where she was. She was in her own apartment, but she just didn't know where she was, why she was there, or was she going someplace, or what was happening. So, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, we say it's a blessing that we're living longer and longer, but really is it a blessing? We begin to wonder. But Thanksgiving is a great family time, though. And uh, how many of you are going to be with family this Thanksgiving? Do I see you? Oh, a lot of you. Great. You know, it's it's a good time to really to get together and just kind of reflect on this family time and being with each other and and um, just really enjoying this time. But we have to remember back, clear back to our first Thanksgiving in this country with the pilgrims. Do you know that it really, for a lot of them, was not a family time on that first Thanksgiving because many of them lost their families just on the trip over. Many of them died of, of diseases and, and starvation and hardship. And, and uh, it was really a, a, a terrible time for them to endure that time. So when they got together for Thanksgiving they were actually celebrating the gift of life that God had given to those who survived. And it was a very special time for them. They also were celebrating something else, because when they left their country to come across that huge ocean on those little bitty ships... They left their families, a lot of them left their families that stayed at home, their jobs, their uh, friends, and they came across and faced the hardships for one real basic reason, to escape the persecution that they were having to be able to worship. They were escaping the persecution of, of those that were in the church that were saying that they had to worship a certain way, they had to believe a certain way, and the persecution was so great that they decided to just leave everything and go to a country and start all over again. That persecution must have been pretty bad to give up everything and to come and face the hardships that they faced and to travel. So today, we should be thankful. We should be thankful for their desire to give up everything 
for religious freedom. And because of their spiritual commitment, they came to this country and it helped start and establish a government where we can worship in freedom. We still can worship in freedom. It's not that way in many countries today. Some still have to hide in order to meet together. Some have to not mention the name of Jesus in, in public for fear that they might be imprisoned or worse yet, even killed. But do we really have that freedom? Or is our freedom starting to erode away? There's a prophecy concerning those who fled the populated Europe to come to the wilderness of this new world in order to escape the persecution. If you take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation 12, beginning with verse 13, Revelation 12, beginning with verse 13. Revelation 12, beginning with verse 13. Now the dragon, who's the dragon? Satan, that old serpent, the dragon, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. Saw that he had been cast to the earth. He persecuted the, wo the woman. In Bible prophecy, what does a woman represent? The church. He, he persecuted the church who gave birth to the male child. Who's the male child? Jesus, the promise of Jesus, the Messiah that was to come and was born. Verse 14, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she be nourished for a time, times, and half a time for the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of the mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of the offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. A woman of prophecy is the church. The devil was angry with the church. She escaped across a flood of water uh, to the desolate new earth. The new earth swallowed up all of those who were fleeing persecution and was coming to this new world who was here, and it's, uh, it's uh, revealed that those people want to keep the commandments, and they had the testimony of Jesus. They are escaping to be able to, to be able to worship and to keep the commandments and to do what the Bible asked them to do instead of having man tell them what to do. Now we live in a time long after the pilgrims had arrived to this country. Things have changed. We have all enjoyed the freedoms that this country has given to us to protect us all these many years. In fact, we kind of take these freedoms for granted, especially our religious freedom, that it will continue on generation after generation. That is until we're introduced to another prophecy found in chapter 13, and continuing to, uh, in the chapters following, there's a, a new power introduced in chapter 13. Look at chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. 
with verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue to for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blasphemy his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of, of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. How many of you are missing your ears this morning? If you were, you probably couldn't hear me ask that question. John calls this this new beast that comes out, this worldly authority that will demand worship from the inhabitants of the earth. He calls it a beast. In other places, he, he, in his writings, he calls it the Antichrist. The description that we just read is like the same used by Daniel, using some of the same symbolisms that are there. And Daniel calls this beast the little horn in Daniel. God is giving us revelation in chapter 13, a revelation to warn us. Because when he says, if anyone has an ear and let him hear, he's saying God's people needs to wake up and take notice of this beast. This is not to be kept silent. This is to be broadcast, to be revealed and to take uh, notice of this beast who is, is being controlled by Satan and is going to make war with God's followers, with God's saints. Then John is shown another beast as well. And, and uh, uh, this beast and then uh, uh, an image like the first beast is revealed if we look at Revelation chapter 13, beginning with verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of, out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in, the presence, in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he is granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast 
that the image of the beast should speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark the name, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him, uh, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, I wish I had time to go through all the biblical texts that clearly identifies that first beast that we read, the second beast that comes out of the earth, where we said that the pilgrims fled to in order to escape religious persecution, and who is the image of the beast that does the dirty work for the the first beast to cause people to worship that first beast or be killed. It would take us about probably three hours to go through with the identification of all those things. And I know potluck is brewing over there, so I don't want anything to burn. And I don't want you to get so hungry that you'll run out the door before we get to the end. But let me just say that the beast that comes out of the earth is referring to the United States. Now you might say, well, how do you get that? Well, for those of you that are maybe not Seventh-day Adventists or who are new Seventh-day Adventists, because all of us who have been in the Adventist church for a long time, we know who we're talking about. But those who are new to this, uh, I have a sheet, and let me know after. It's not a sheet. It's a big, thick thing that talks about not only the United States, but who the first beast is and identifies it. It uses Bible uh, texts and, and everything in history to, to be able to show beyond a shadow of a doubt who this beast is, who the image of the beast is, and then also about the United States. So I have that available to you. Now, a lot of times when I have this available, we have something like this. We have those who've been Adventists for a long time that says, oh, I want a copy of this to send to my Uncle Fred clear back in, in Keokuk, Iowa. Well, bless his heart, I'm glad that he's in Keokuk, Iowa, but I only had time to run 25 copies off, so uh, I don't have enough for Cousin Fred back there. Let's just use it for the new ones that are here that uh, want a better understanding of that, and then if there's some left over, I can give you a copy. But let's let the the non-Adventists or those who are new in the Adventist church to know. But... Uh, what we're looking at is really this freedom that we have here in the United States, and it's going to erode away, and in some place it's going to, or in some time it's going to happen, that we're going to be forced to worship this first beast. This beast that demands worship is going to cause the United States in collaboration with the image of the beast, to use its authority all over the world to cause not only the people in the United States, but the people of the world to worship this beast or be killed. That's what it says, which we just read. To worship the beast. 
There's a commandment that God asks or he tells us that we should remember in order to worship him. Do you know that commandment? The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He wants us to remember it and he wants us to keep it. And at the creation of the world, if you go back to Genesis, you you read where it says that God rested on the Sabbath day after he had created everything. The Bible says that God rested on that day. In Revelation 14, the Bible says that we are to worship God who created the heavens and the earth. These are things that are very important. The Bible gives us also a clue because some people say, well, how do we know what day that is? It doesn't say Monday or whatever. How do we know what day of the week is the Sabbath? And the Bible is clear. So we need to look just for a moment, just for the sake of those who might be visiting and are new. When we look at the crucifixion of Jesus, let's look at it in the Gospel of Luke. If you would turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23. I just want to look at this so we know where we're clear on because some things are going to erode away. We're looking at Luke chapter 23, and I want to begin with verse 50. Luke 23, beginning with verse 50. This is, this is at the death of Jesus when he had hung on the cross and Jesus died. Luke 23, beginning with verse 50. Now, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a member of the Sanhedrin, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed, that's to put Jesus on the cross, He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and he wrapped it it in the linen and laid it in the tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That was the preparation day and the Sabbath drew near. And the woman who had come with him from Galilee, followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, rolled away from the tomb, then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now let me ask you, what day does the Christian world call as they use it as kind of a celebration and they say is the day of the crucifixion of Jesus? They say it's good what? Good Friday. That's the preparation day. The Jews call it the preparation day. The Sabbath is just about to come. That's the next day. And then it says the first day of the week. What day do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? Easter Sunday. So what's the day in between Friday and Sunday? And it's a Sabbath. How clear can you get? 
And God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He asks us to come into worship on the Sabbath day. God rests on the Sabbath day. And so when we come to the book of Revelation, as we begin to see in Revelation, this beast in Revelation 13 demands worship, which causes the United States and the image to work together to pass laws and influence other countries to worship. It must be a day of worship recognized by the Christian nation of today, the United States of today, as being holy and sacred and being different from the day that the Lord said was when we are to worship. What day would that be? Sunday. The, this world as a nation, we, uh, this, our United States as a nation, has set up its laws and everything, its Christian founding and everything, but they recognize as the day of worship to be Sunday. But we saw that the day of worship that God said to, uh, to come and to worship on is what day? There is nothing in the Bible that ever says to ever go and to worship on Sunday. It's never recognized in the Bible. It is not biblical to worship on Sunday. It's not biblical to come and worship on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the Sabbath is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. That's His day. But there's something that's going to happen that's going to cause not only the people of the United States, but the people of the world to worship, to be a mandatory day of worship on the day that they recognize as a day of worship and not on the day that God says to worship upon. And some people say, I'm glad that it hasn't happened and it's not happening now. Or is it? Let me first share with you an email I received from a religious liberty representative about what took place last Wednesday and Thursday. Can't get any fresher than this. Last Wednesday and Thursday, November 14th and 15th, a special meeting was held at a building called, in Washington, D.C., called the Pope John Paul Cultural Center. The attendees to this meetings should raise some of your eyebrows. Some of them are government officials. John Moore, Nancy Pulaski, John McCain, John Warner, Gary Brown. They all attended this meeting. Also, former Vice President Al Gore, not only was to attend, but he had a speech on global warming as well, too. 
the leaders of various denominations were invited to come. And, of course, the Christian coalition was to be there, as well as Dr. James Dobson and Pat Robertson. Also attending are leaders from a Canadian, this is for you Canadian people, Canadian grassroots movement called SOS. You heard of it? Haven't? I'll speak about them in a moment. Quite a group for a two-day meeting. Here's the agenda of what they were going to discuss. First, they're going to point out the state or condition of the world. All the wars and terrorism and economic problems and the fears that people all over the world are encountering, and we encounter today as well, too. The second thing was a time to discuss Israel and Palestinian relations. Why is the United States so interested in Israel? Remember that we're a Christian nation, and we got to make sure from their thinking, from a government standpoint as well too, that we keep Jerusalem open because this is where we need to rebuild the temple and to worship and all kinds of things that are there. And this is where the second coming of Jesus is supposed to come is what they're saying. And so they got to keep this open. And we, we, don't wanna make, we wanna make sure that no one's gonna come in and mess up Israel. They also discussed who the Christian evangelicals will support as candidates running for the President of the United States. They know well that if the Christian right movement bands together that whoever is supported by that movement will nine chances out of ten be nominated as president. So they want to unify together and to begin to say who out of all the candidates, whether it's Democrat or Republican, mostly it's been on the Republican side, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, but who are we going to support because that's who we're going to elect. Now, take note of the next discussion that is to take place. A push for the Seventh Amendment of the United States Constitution for a National Day of Rest. The society that presented this idea was from Canada, although they have great supporters in the United States of SOS, which stands Save Our Sundays. Just a few weeks ago, the leader of the first beast. Now, Seventh-day Adventists, we know who that first beast was that came up out of the sea. For those that are new, it's, it's in that pamphlet, that Massive pages that I give to you if you want to know. It'll identify who that is. But just a few weeks ago, the leader of the first beast, 
went to Austria and shared with the religious leaders the importance of uplifting and maintaining Sunday sacredness in the church and in the world. Now, he gives reasons why they should maintain Sunday sacredness. Let me quote to you from this denomination's own news source, their own, it isn't coming from Seventh-day Adventists or any other religion, it's from their own news source. I quote, Sunday should be celebrated not only as a day of rest. Let me ask you first before I go on. What day did God rest on after creation? The Sabbath. Sunday should be celebrated not only as a day of rest, but as the church's weekly feast of creation. What does the book of Revelation say that we should observe? What day should we observe because of creation? The Sabbath. Now listen to this. Referring to the biblical account of creation, this leader says that Sunday, the first day of the week, saw the dawning of the created world, the day on which God said, let there be light. It used to be, they used to say that they celebrated Sunday because it was a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. But now they're saying that this is a celebration from creation because of creating light, when God created light. Then this leader goes on to say about the early church, Sunday graduated, gradually assimilated the tradition, traditional meaning of the seventh day. The Sabbath, the day that God rested. But Sunday is also the feast of thanksgiving and joy over God's creation. He then says Sunday was not a commandment, but an inner necessity. Then he chanted, Give the soul its Sunday and give Sunday its soul. Now you tell me what's going on in the world today. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's the only day that he said to, that was sanctified, that was set aside for, for uh, sacredness because of the creation, of, of, to remind us of the creator of God. And now they're saying, no, it's Sunday that's to remind us of the creator of God. And it's because he created light. And then they said, you know, let's put the soul back in Sunday. Let's put, let's make it the religious day. Then they're saying we need to have an amendment to the Constitution so as we could recognize a day of rest. Now remember, this, this amendment not only is for here in the United States, but... It started in Canada. Remember, it says it's going to cause the whole world. So it isn't just the United States that's looking at this. No wonder God instructed John to write down 
in the book of Revelation, if anyone has an ear, let him hear what's happening right before your very own eyes. we got to wake up because the beast is waking up. This Thanksgiving, we shouldn't be sitting and saying, Lord, we just want to thank you for the blessings of this meal. We need to be able to say, Lord, we thank you that you have given to us your commandments and your word to help us realize what's about to take place. Look at Revelation 14. Beginning with verse 6. It's what we always call the three angels' message. Revelation 14, beginning with verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. That means we're coming down to the nitty-gritty end of this judgment. Worship Him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. We worship Him because He made the heavens and the earth on the day that He rested, the day that He set aside, the day that He glorified. That's the Sabbath day, no other day. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead and on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worships the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patient of the saints. Here are those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I've got to have faith to see me through these days that are coming upon us where they're going to begin to pass laws. Now, they haven't passed them yet. But look, they're dialoguing about it. They're talking about it. Not only here in the United States, not only in Canada, not only in Austria, but in other places all over the world. It's coming. It's time that we woke up. We are to remember those commandments. And we are to have the faith of Jesus because it's going to see us through clear to the end because we know the next, next great event is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And those who are fooled And the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon them. Now, brothers and sisters, Thanksgiving's coming up, and it's time 
to get with our family members, and some of us have family members who might have been taught these things, but have strayed away. Thinking in their mind, we've been saying that all this is going to happen and we don't ever see it happen or anything else. It's happening and we need to help them to wake up. The Sabbath, this coming Thursday, is a good time for us to be able to share. So when we're sitting down to our table of plenty, take time to tell your family and friends, thank God the end is near. For the golden morning is fast approaching and Jesus soon will come to take His faithful and happy children to their promised home. Hymn number 205. We stand as we sing.
Father, it's time for your church to wake up. For we can see the gleams of the golden morning. Some of us need to make some radical changes within our lives. We've allowed certain things to control us instead of the Spirit of Christ to control. We pray for that Spirit to be emptied out into our hearts to to come in and to give us the victory over sin. We need the courage to be able to speak out to to those that we love and care about, for the end is coming soon. We need to work, for the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Lord, motivate us. Guide us. Give us strength to be able to make it in the days to come. We're thankful for this Thanksgiving time because now we know We are living in the time of the end, and there's not much time left. We're thankful that we have Jesus Christ as our loving Savior, and that we have the commandments that shows to us the true day to worship. And we have the testimony and the faith of Jesus within our hearts now. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.